With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On today's episode, we're talking with the legendary Carol Burnett. Her 50th anniversary special, which is nominated for an Emmy Award, will be available on DVD on September 11th. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, and it's my pleasure to be here with Carol Burnett. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. So good to see you. Thank you. First of all, congratulations on the Emmy nomination. Yeah, that's... How does it feel? What, do they uh, still mean something to you? Oh, sure. Uh, especially since uh, the show's going to be 51 years old, you know, and then to to have this happen now, it's just like, uh, it's kind of unbelievable. Were you surprised by the response to the show? It was so overwhelming. Uh, I know. I know. I was. I was happily surprised, of course. And uh, But, you know, it's uh, you look at those clips that we showed, and they hold up. They absolutely do. You know, because, well, we weren't timely, you know, I think what, what the comedy was is timeless. You know, mm-hmm. I dare anybody to look at Tim and Harvey and the Dennis sketch and not lose it. And that's over 40 years old. You I know. lose it every time I see it. I know. And uh, so, but then, uh, you know, it was my husband's idea. Uh, we were, this a year and a half to, ago. To do the special? To, yeah. He said, you know, it's going to be 50 years. That's kind of a, you know, landmark thing and uh we're still you know uh people buy the dvds and and uh we're on youtube and me tv and all of that so he said that maybe you know somebody would want to do it so i put the idea out there and uh dick clark productions came up and we had uh steve sauer producing and i was producing and we got great paul miller directed but now it's just you know you got to talk to a network about it well obviously it had to be cbs what was their response uh they they stepped up to the plate and uh then the whole thing was okay what are we going to do because uh 25 years ago for our 25th we did a reunion mm-hmm. but it was with harvey tim vicky lyle and me and that was it sitting on director's chairs talking about the show showing clips and and kidding around with the audience mm-hmm. and it was very well received mm-hmm. but we couldn't do that now, so um, uh, it was. I forget whose idea it was. Why don't we call up uh, a lot of young comedians, you know, and uh, see if they would want to come on the show and talk about some of their favorite bits that we did, and uh, and you know, kibitz, you know, with them, and then show the clips and you know, just have it like a party. And uh, so we sent out all these invitations. Not realizing that everybody came back and said yes. <laughs> That's amazing. And I thought, oh, no. I mean, it was just a, like an overflow of goodies. But then I was worried, how are we going to service all these people who are taking the time out to come and, you know, it, it was it, it was a little bit of a tap dance, you know. And so lots of time, uh, some stuff had to 
be edited out because we didn't have the time, you know. But uh, it was a, a thrill for me, you know, to meet some of the these younger ones, and uh, you know, and then I one of the cherry on top of the Sunday also for me was Harry Connick Jr. Mm-hmm. because I'm such a fan and we're friends, mm-hmm. and he was born the day we premiered. Amazing. 50 years ago mm-hmm. and so I said you got to come on and he d- did the closing song with me and that was just it was beautiful I I could hardly sing I was I was so overwhelmed you know but, you got really emotional in the end yeah 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 but in being on the same stage yeah what did it mean to you to be back on that stage again? well I've been back before mm-hmm. we've been back before I did uh, a few things there uh, on stage 33 which is the best stage in town because have you ever been to tapings where uh, the audience is in the bleachers? Mm-hmm. This isn't it. This is a theater. Oh, perfect. So you have, and you don't get cameras in the way. The camera's over here, and on the right, far right, far left, and then in the back, so that the studio audience is like a real Broadway audience, and they're watching you instead of the monitors, you know. And so there's a there's an intimacy. That, that happens in Studio 33. So I said, we got to do it. We got to do it there again, you know. And that's so much a part of your show. You're interacting with the audience. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course, that was, uh, it was, at first, I didn't want to do that. Really? Why didn't you want to do that? I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, gosh, what if nobody asks a question? Or what if they do and I'm not good with an answer? Or, you know, all of that. And uh, I remember I was talked into it by our executive producer, and I said, okay, I'll do it for three or four shows, but then if it doesn't work, let's 86 that idea. Mm-hmm. But after we'd gone on the air and the audience had seen seen us do that, the studio audience who would come, uh, they, they were ready to ask, you know. And uh, our uh, Bob Banner was our executive producer. He said, well, we can always put plants in the audience and I said I don't want that because it's got to if I have egg on my face it's, it'll be real right that if I can't answer something I just like I, I don't know what to say you know and so I think it his idea and I think he was right I know he was right uh was it he said Carol the audience has to get to know you before you go in and doing those, those crazy sketches with the wigs and the blackout teeth and <laughs> you know, fat suits and all of that and doing all your pratfalls and things like that. They should get to know you as a person. And so we're not even going to hire a, a comedian to warm up the audience. You'll be the warm-up. Great. Yeah, and it it worked. It clearly worked, and it translates, too, to the anniversary show because you feel all those moments. Yes, yeah. Was there ever any question that stumped you that came from the audience? Anything that surprised uh, you? Oh, only one, because we were pre-taping a Christmas show in uh, the summer, it was just towards the end of the summer, and somebody said, what'd you get for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> totally stumped. You know. But no. Uh-uh. What is it about performing in front of a live studio audience that fuels you? Well, it's like doing a Broadway show. And uh, that's the way I wanted our show. I know we were accused at times of breaking up on purpose, but we never did. I just figured we're going to go and we're going to do it as close to a live show as possible. Mm-hmm. I used to, I mean, today I have done guest shots on sitcoms where it's 21 minutes of show and they take five hours to tape it. It's, it's, it's excruciating. And it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is not necessary because we do, we did 
an hour and 15 minute show in about two hours right. with all the costume changes, all the scenery change, all of the dances, the songs, the music, the sketches, all of that. Because I just said, and I used to have a bet with the stagehands mm-hmm. when they're changing the scenery. I said, I can make a skin out change before you move that couch over there. Really? So let's, let's, I didn't want to keep the studio audience waiting mm-hmm. because they're, 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 their enthusiasm makes us better. Right. And if they're sitting there, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting for the next setup, you lose them. But that's my theater training. So that's the way I want it. And that's the way we did the Gary Moore show mm-hmm. that I was on, you know. And my background is theater. So That definitely comes through in the show. Um, I mean, I was trying to think if there were other shows. I mean, I guess Saturday Night Live would be the sort of closest model to this, given that it's done in front of a live studio audience. Do you think that's a fair comparison? No, I don't, because uh, it's... Uh, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But uh, we had... You know, twenty-eight piece orchestra. We did a uh, like a Broadway show. Right. You know, twenty-eight piece orchestra, twelve dancers, two guest stars a week, a rep company, sixty-five costumes a week that Bob Mackey designed. 60. Amazing! All everything you saw, everybody wore on that show. He designed so that's seventeen thousand costumes in eleven years. That's some good math. Hello. <laughs> well, I did it. Yeah. I, I did it with a calculator before I got here. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah. How much rehearsal went into that? How much planning went into all of that? Well, uh, we would start rehearsal on Monday. Uh, it was like a school schedule. It was terrific uh, because a lot of us came from the Gary Moore show. Mm-hmm. Our director, our producers, our head writer, our choreographer, so that there, was, there were no labor pains we just fell right from Gary's show and just fell right into. So it was like uh, Monday was 10 o'clock, it was, we'd read the script. 11 o'clock, we'd go down and put a sketch on its feet, you know, while the choreographer would be doing something with the dancers in another hall. So, and I worked uh, less than 30 hours a week. Amazing. Because and I would be home, I could take the kids to school, and then uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I could pick them up from school and bring them home. We'd eat every night at six o'clock. Wonderful. We didn't over rehearse. Right. And uh, Thursday night was orchestra. Then Friday, the kids would come to see the dress rehearsal, and uh, we'd be out in time to take our guest stars to dinner. <laughs> Lovely. On Friday night. It's quite a life. Yeah. So it was. Per- we had our weekends off. We had a week at Easter all summer two weeks at Christmas, I wanted it to be like a school schedule because we had kids, right? you know, and so that, that worked. The only two nights I wasn't home was Thursday and Friday, but we'd have a week off uh, every four weeks. So it, it was perfect. It really, people say, how did you do that for 11 years? It was like a part-time job. No kidding. <laughs> a little bit different than how TV is done today. Yeah. Oh, please tell me, <laughs> you know, and... I, you know, I was talking before uh, that, you know, we all want to be younger. We all think about, you know, back when, but I'm glad I'm where I am now because I couldn't have done what I did then. That was a whole different kind of a vibe. Uh, The network left us alone. They don't Uh, do that anymore. (laughs) We didn't have 
people coming in to nitpick and give us notes. Mm-hmm. Mr. Paley, who ran CBS, said, okay, here, here's your show. You go do it. You're the artists. Mm-hmm. I'm the businessman. And he he had faith, you know. And like today, if uh, the way I hired Vicki Lawrence, you know, she was 18. Never had any professional experience, but we discovered her. No network today would let me put her to hire her, hire her. Are you kidding? You're crazy. 18-year-old kid just out of high school? Uh Uh-uh. And she turned out to be quite the discovery. Totally. Totally. You know, but I just think today they don't let the artists do what they do best. They, I did a pilot recently uh, uh, for ABC, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was funny. The audience was great. We had funny writing by Michael Saltzman. Amy Poehler was producing, and all, and it was really uh, funny. We thought, well, this is good. Oh my goodness, they came in. Uh, I don't know who all about forty people giving notes and this and that, and they wanted to recast a couple of parts that were didn't need it. Mm-hmm. And they, this is what should happen here, and this is what should happen there, and telling somebody like. Amy and Michael and me, you know, how we should do comedy. <laughs> That's what's funny. <laughs> you know, yeah. And so I, I just, ugh. so uh, they asked Michael to rewrite it, and he did. And I read it, and I said, you know, this isn't as funny as it, what we did. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought, I don't want to put myself through that. I'm too, uh, I, I had the best, right. and why put up with that? You know, it's just ridiculous today, in my view. No, I agree. It's a sad statement. I think a lot of what happens at networks is there are people who just need to justify their existence. And that's exactly so the they're point. not doing their job if they're not yeah. if they don't give a note. I remember this one. One was uh, we had a, a little kids on. They were a brother and a sister, supposedly in, in the pilot, and the little girl, really cute little girl, and Bob Mackey was doing the clothes, of course. You know, <laughs> and he put her in a little girl outfit or jeans or what he had to change her costume uh about 10 times he got all these notes no Why? she shouldn't wear that she should wear a sweater no no she should do this she should do... i mean it was ridiculous and bob had to send his assistant out to shop and keep trying different clothes on this little girl poor kid i know i know and it's just nitpicky but you're right it's to... okay i'm existing because i'm having them go right. Get another outfit for this little mm-hmm. girl. Look what I did today. Yeah, right. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, right. I just can't believe that someone would come in and give you notes. It's sort of shocking to me. Well, they don't tell you how to do comedy, mm-hmm. but they give us notes on a scene. Mm-hmm. Well, this scene would play better if, <laughs> you know, and I go, well, screw that. <laughs> you know? But I was impressed because I remember hearing about this pilot when it was being developed. It was funny. You know, it, it sounded great. And certainly the idea of you coming back to television on that kind of format yeah, yeah. would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. But again, uh, you know, we could have come back with it, but I didn't like the way they wanted to do it, and I didn't like the interference. But it sounds like you've had a better experience at Netflix with that project. With well, them. yeah, they leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But also, this wasn't scripted. Sure. It was all ad lib with these kids, you know, and uh, so that that was easy. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had a few notes at the beginning about uh, casting and stuff like that, but uh, no, they were, they were fine. Yeah. It feels like you still have, I mean, you know, God bless you. Like, you still got that ad lib in you. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> were you, you know, was that something that, you, oh, you always were bad, you know, enjoyed doing that improv, enjoyed being able to ad lib like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, I think I kind of got the bug working a lot with Tim Conway. Mm-hmm. The two of you played off so well. Oh, well, he's just a genius. And, you know, in fact, and, and Harvey, there's no better comedic actor around. There's mm-hmm. some that maybe is good, but nobody better. You know, and Vicky, how she developed, you know, and it was just great. So, but Tim, you kind of had to roll with the punches because we did two shows on Friday. Mm-hmm. One was a dress rehearsal with an audience that we taped, and he would do it just the way we rehearsed it on that show. Then he'd go crazy on the second show, and you had to go with it. Right, because what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? And uh, I would say nine times out of ten, it was gold. <laughs> So I know there's a whole thing about all of you cracking up and the bloopers well, so much. Well, it was never on purpose. Mm-hmm. Never. But people think we did it more often than we did, but uh, we didn't do it that often. It was usually because of Tim. And, uh, you know, uh, out of 270-some-odd shows, I think maybe 10 or 15 shows was when it happened. Sure. But those are the ones that always surfaced those, in the clip reels. That's what they remember. Yeah, because the clip reels are so fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there one that stands out for you as your favorite from those breaking up? The dentist. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Harvey. Oh, he was a, <laughs> he was helpless in that chair. I mean, Tim swears Harvey wet his pants. <laughs> it was just oh, he can't. And again, today, you know, uh, it holds up. That and that sketch is over forty years old. And I remember when we were. Uh, rehearsing for the 50th mm-hmm. and there were some young cameramen you know when, when we were rehearsing and we're showing the clips and they'd never seen some of this stuff mm. and they were doubled over laughing and again 50 years ago 50 40 years ago 30 you know some of those sketches it's just it's uh, amazing what does that say about comedy is it just well I think well the thing is we were never topical mm-hmm. and I think and that wasn't well, it just wasn't our bag. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm a clown, and we, we just wanted to have belly laughs and a lot of production and, you know, bells and whistles and, and beautiful costumes and orchestra, and, you know, all of that. So that it really wasn't uh, our thing to get, uh, you know, political, so to speak. Right. And uh, so that I think that's kind of why, you know, it's viable today. And uh, we're putting out... A copy of the 50th on uh, uh, DVD, but we're adding bonus material that we couldn't uh, put into the show sure. uh, because we were over, we were long. So we're putting all, a lot of stuff that kind of hit the editing floor, and uh, you know, uh, background stuff and stuff while they're changing the set where we kidded around with the audience and things like that. Is there anything specific that's going to be in the DVD that we didn't get to see on screen that you particularly remember? Well, uh, a lot of testimonials from people that we we couldn't show. And as I said, uh, there uh, there's a couple of sections. There's one where Bob Mackey and I come out and just talk to the audience uh, between setups. And uh, uh, maybe some, oh, yeah, some other thing. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the, we just didn't have time sure. in the time that was allotted to, you know, when it was going to air. One of the things I love about the origin of the, story, of the show is how it came together in the first place. It had to do with you fighting for your contract, which is a really timely conversation to be having today. Yeah, well, it, uh, I had this contract with uh, CBS when I left the Gary Moore show. Uh, I signed a 10-year contract. 
that would require me to do one special and two guest shots on their sitcom mm-hmm. a year. And but then the, there was a clause in the ten-year contract that within the first five years I had a good agent. In the first five years, if I wanted to push the button, CBS would have to give us thirty-one hour variety shows, whether they wanted to or not. Amazing. I I don't think it was ever done before, and certainly not since. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I was going to do it. I never thought I could. And then it was the last week of the fifth year. And my husband and I said, you know, maybe we better push that button. And we did, and CBS had totally forgotten about that contract. They had, what are you talking about? And it it was a week between Christmas and New Year's. And come January 1st, it wouldn't have happened. Right. And uh, so uh, I called CBS in New York. We were in California as I said, they had forgotten about it, and they called back the next day and said, oh, well, you know, yeah, right, uh, Carol, comedy variety is a man's game. <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, it's not for you gals. It's Dean Martin now, it's Sid Caesar, Milton Berle, Jackie Gleason, you know, uh, and then they wanted me to do some sitcom called Here's Agnes. <laughs> Can you picture the, it? The hit show, Hit Agnes. Yeah, then, here's yeah. Agnes, you know. And I said, I don't want to be Agnes every week. I wanted, I want a rep company. I want music. I want guest stars. I want dance. I want costumes. I want to be different people. Mm-hmm. And they had to put us on. It's amazing. And, and the show was a success. Yeah. They didn't expect it. To, nor did I. I just thought, well, at least we got 30 hours out of it. You <laughs> right. know, 30 shows. But... Uh, Mr. Paley had faith in us, and they moved us quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We started on a Monday, then they moved us to a Wednesday, where it wasn't good for us at all. And then they, the Saturday night lineup, which was the best. Yes, you know. And today again, a network wouldn't if if you weren't doing well, they'd just cancel you. We weren't doing well in that Wednesday slot, and I thought we were going to get canceled. And Mr. Paley moved us. So, yeah, we were on different time slots. But the Saturday night one was the one that went through the roof. Right. That's what I remember. Oh, all in the family and Mm -hmm. MASH and Mary and Bob Newhart and us. It was amazing watching the special because I remember so many of those sketches and just, (laughs) they were classic. Do you think a show like that could succeed today? Funny's funny. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't do it today because of the cost. You'd never get a 28-piece orchestra. You would never get 65 costumes a week. You would never get the, you know, all this guest star. It would have to be less production. But it's also, it's all in the writing. Mm-hmm. There are people who could do a variety show today. They're brilliant sketch performers and singers and dancers and everything do it all. But it's it's got to be the concept and the writing. You know, and... Uh, I don't know. It's... I think there's an audience for it. I mean, I think, you know, obviously given by the, proven by the success of the audience for the special. Yeah, and, and the, our DVDs. Sure. That have come out. And then I'm on me, we're on uh, me TV every night uh, at 11 or something like that. And I, as I said, I'm getting fan mail from 10-year-olds. Really? That's so Teenagers. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Kids. They say, oh, gosh, my mom... Or my grandmother even said, "Oh, you got to watch this." And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, there's, on their little lined 
uh, notebook paper. <laughs> Bless their hearts. <laughs> in pencil. You know, and then they would draw, this is you, and they would make a drawing or something, you know, this is you at the top of the show or whatever, you know. And there are times when I'll get a, uh, but it's all, I'll only do it when it's a little kid. Mm-hmm. I might get a letter saying, I'm going to be in Annie, a school production of Annie, and I'm going to be playing Miss Hannigan. Do you have any advice for me? Oh, and if they put their phone number in, I'll call them. Really? You've called people? Oh, yeah. It's easier than writing a letter. Right. So I just dial and say, well, okay, you're going to be this. What do you, what do you, what, what do you want to know? Do they what believe can... it's you? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, and some are, the, it's the parents that get excited. <laughs> some of the kids say, oh, hi, thanks for calling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like, I expected this. <laughs> you know, and the mother is having a hissy fit. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you've got such a great rapport with kids. That really comes through on the Netflix show, yeah, too. Yeah. What is it about working with kids? I mean, it's, there's that famous line, never work with kids, but oh. you've managed to pull off the opposite. Well, if there's under uh, 10, they're so truthful. Mm-hmm. They're, they don't censor themselves. You know, you ask them something and they're going to blurt it out. They're not going to think, hmm, should I say this or should I not say that? They start to get a little jaded around 10 and 11 or 12, <laughs> right. you know, where, they, where they censor themselves. So that that's the fun part, you know, the, the little ones. Sure. Yeah. And that really comes through on the Netflix show. Oh, yeah, out of the mouths of babes. Absolutely. Would you do more of that? Do, would you, if they ask, yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anything else on your wish list? I mean, I know we've talked about scripted, but is there anything else that you still want to do? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm thinking of writing something else. I don't know what yet, you know, and because uh, I love to write. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's some other projects that I'm interested in now, but I don't want to jinx it by talking about them. You okay. know, we'll come back. We'll talk to you about more. Thanks, Deborah. <laughs> um, how have you seen the business change from your perspective since you've been doing this? Well, again, what I say, there's a lot of uh, interference. Mm-hmm. You know, people coming in and telling you what to do when maybe they they don't really know as much as you do. Sure. You know, and. Uh, there's some very smart people behind the scenes, but, but, you know, usually they're the money people, you know, the business people. Right. As opposed to being artistic, you know. What about the role of women in comedy? I know you'd mentioned that you know, you'd been told it was a man's game. Oh, well, now, my goodness, it's just fantastic, you know, because when I started out, it was just Lucy. Right. But, my goodness, you got Amy, you got Tina, you got Krista Wig, you've got, uh, uh, I mean, there are so many brilliant funny women who uh, are running their shows, you know, and uh, that was not the case when I, I, you know, Lucy was it. Yeah, she she set the, sets the stage for that. What did you learn from watching her? Well, she, we became good friends. Mm-hmm. I learned uh, just to, the discipline, but I had the discipline anyway from doing Gary's show, mm-hmm. and uh, she, she was a hoot, and... Uh, uh, she was 22 years older than me, so, and so she called me kid. <laughs> and uh, we became very good friends. And she used to send me flowers on my birthday, you know, happy birthday, kid. And um, she died on my birthday. Really? Yeah, when I, when I was 56, she died on my 56th birthday, and I got flowers that afternoon. Oh, my God. Happy birthday, kid. Oh, my God. Yeah. She gave me... A black tie baby shower. (laughs) 
I was pregnant with my second bit girl. And she said, well, I'm going to give you a party. And like a baby shower. I said, that's nice. She said, no, we're inviting men. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be black tie at her house. And it's big buffet dinner, all the men in tuxedos, everybody dressed up. And at that time, she was married to Gary Morton, mm-hmm. who was a very funny comedian. It was his chore or task to open all the baby gifts. And he did. And, of course, he was very funny. And he did uh, improvised riffs on all booties and little uh, silver bowls, you know, things like that that you would get. Uh, he was, it was really funny. And as it was breaking up, the men, you know, as they were leaving, said, we had no idea that baby showers could be this much fun. <laughs> Not the baby showers I've been to. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Sorry, it's that one. No, I, it was bizarre, but it was so cute. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. What advice would you offer now to young and up-and-coming female comedians? You know, it's really, I just, you got to have the fire in the belly. Uh, It's very hard not to be discouraged. Mm -hmm. But if you really have the fire in the belly, okay, you can take it. Uh, I remember, and I don't know how it happened, but it, it was, I was in New York, I was just getting started, and I finally had an audition where it, was a small thing, I think, and uh, between me and another girl. And I really thought I had it, mm-hmm. but I didn't. She got it. It's something, I don't know, and it was a blessing, popped into my brain, and I said, well, you know what? It's her turn. It's not my turn yet. Right. And my turn will come, but right now this is her turn. And that kept me going. It kept me from saying, oh, God, I just, uh, and moping. I just thought, well, something else will come along, and it did. So I think that would be the advice I'd give. If you get discouraged because you miss out on something, you say, well, because it's not my turn yet. We're living through a time right now where there's a lot of conversation about women's roles and, you know, how to get through, you know, from everything from pay parity to lack of women in writers' rooms. Obviously, you've endured through all of that throughout your career. Is there a lesson that you learned along the way to sort of, you know, navigate this? Well, it was the way I... I mean, it was all men uh, on Gary's show. Mm -hmm. All the writers, you know, and everybody. And, uh, and And it was mostly men on my show. We did have two or three women. Gail Parent was one that was just wonderful, but it was kind of the way I was raised, so it wasn't like, oh, well, this shouldn't be. It was really, well, this is the way it is. Now it's different. It right. shouldn't be, sure. <laughs> you know. And I would know that. It, like I did, I didn't take, uh, I didn't take it wrong when they said it's a it's a man's game. I just thought, well, that's what they think right now, but that's not what I I want to do. Right. So it wasn't like, oh, you're prejudiced against women or anything like that. But today I would think that, and I would, I think I might say a few words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, I was raised in the Betty Crocker era. Right. You know, where it was a woman's place. Was a, no, you know. But it's also credit to you for forging your own path in the spite of all of that and mm-hmm. succeeding. Well, I loved what I, what I was doing. That was it. The, the fact that I loved it so much that I, I wasn't going to take no for an answer when they said you shouldn't do a variety show. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that was all I got was 
what I was supposed to do. So I didn't I, I didn't pull a diva card. It was just no, this is it, and that's really thank you, but this is what I want to do. When you look back over the course of the variety show, was anything ever off limits for you? Was there anything you wouldn't do? Uh, no. <laughs> we didn't go overboard right. at any rate, you know. So no, I was never asked to do. Well, there was. One, oh God, there was one thing that I I was talked into. What was this? <laughs> uh, it was the choreographer Ernie Flat, who was brilliant, came up with the idea that it would be really funny if I'm singing a song dressed as a Spanish with a girl with a mantilla and with a flower in the hair and the kind of ruffled skirt and all of this, and I'm singing a song, and a whip artist is supposed to whip, it, like, knock the thing out of my hair, knock the sleeve off my dress, and by the end of the song, I'm standing there in my uh, skivvies. I'm, wow. I mean, funny Bob Mackie underwear. Sure. You know. Uh, <laughs> I said, are you sure? He's, oh, it'll be hysterical. Funny, yeah. So now we're doing dress rehearsal, mm-hmm. and this whip artist is there. And I'm singing, you don't have to say you love me, I will understand. Whack! And he knocks the a flower out of my hair and I'm standing that we hadn't rehearsed it you know and it uh, and he hit me here and I blood <laughs> coming out on my oh shoulder my just a little bit but mm-hmm. yeah, it was he missed mm-hmm. and so my shoulder and I, I and then he did the, and we finished and then I said I don't I don't want to do this again and they said oh, put a band-aid over that you'll be fine we'll do it again <laughs> now I should have said get out Goodbye. No, no. But I went back again. Only this time, he was so nervous that he whipped off everything before the end of the song. I had to stand there and finish the whole thing in my underwear. Oh my God. And I was—I started laughing hysterically. I was—I just—it just—it was either that or cry, right? You know. And I—I I wrote about this in my latest book about our show, mm-hmm. and you know, and. Today, no way. No way. No way. But I was a good little girl. I was right. good. Oh yeah. Okay, I'll do it. And, you know. But that was the one time that was pretty bad. <laughs> and then I know you. You know, you picked so many amazing clips for the anniversary show. But is there one that didn't make the cut, or one that you feel like is undiscovered that oh, people should watch? There were so many. Mm-hmm. There were so many. You know, it was hard, hard to choose. You know, we tried to get the the best, but. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm trying to think of some. Well, there were some of the family ones that mm-hmm. we couldn't do, but we did show Sorry. We did right. that one. And, uh, you know, Steve Lawrence was so wonder- such a great comedic guest. Nobody, I mean, uh, I remember when we went into syndication, the half hour, all the music stuff was cut. But Steve was did a lot of funny stuff with me. And he and Edie were in an airport one day, and these teenage girls ran up to him. And they said, oh, "You're that funny guy in the Burnett show." <laughs> they had no idea he sang. Amazing. Yeah, but uh, oh, there were some wonderful sketches, you know, and, uh, things that, again, that Tim did, that Harvey did. That uh, it would have been, it would have still been on the air. Right. You know, we couldn't. But I think we got a lot of good ones. You know, I know we got a lot of good ones that were that are on that show. 
And I think that's very much reflected in the ratings. Yeah. And you know, it did so well. So yeah. congratulations. Thank you, Deborah. We'll see more of it. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, sweetheart. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next time with another great episode. We'll be talking with Jessica Beale about The Sinner. And if you like the show, I'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know, too, who you want to hear from. What stars and producers should we invite on the show? Email us at podcasts at variety.com. See you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.